sight. Caterpillar to a butterfly. It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. All right, hour number three, here it comes right at you. Green and growing on WSB. Happy to be here with you. Um, If you miss any parts of the show, and you definitely want to listen back to Clint and I's conversation about turf uh, because it's going to be really beneficial for you, all the information you're getting for the next month or so, uh, go to wsbradio.com and uh, slash green and growing or just click on demand and you can scroll down and see every show and listen to the podcast. I take, thanks to DeMarco, I take every hour and break it up and you can listen to hour one, hour two, hour three. You listen to like one or two commercials and then you can just listen to the entire content of the show uh, if you miss anything that Clint's talking about today and uh, great calls. I want to get back to those. And Bart called with a question about Bermuda Lawn. We will get to that because that was a good overall question, Clint, for all of us to benefit from. But he hung up. So let's take care of Jim and Pat first. Pat uh, calling from Ackworth this morning. Good morning. Good morning, y'all. How are you today? Really good. good. And you've got a great question for uh, Fescue. Well, yes, I reckon uh, Rick had the same question. And I had a septic field replaced in my yard, so I'm not overseeding. I am starting from scratch. And is it all right to water? Um, And how high should I let that get before I cut it? Two excellent questions. Absolutely, it's good to water. So uh, on starting from scratch, we would like to be around where we were talking earlier, just one pass over. But mm-hmm. with uh, new new seedlings, you probably need to be somewhere around six pounds of seed per thousand square foot, um, is oh. especially using some of our... our <laughs> Pat, I did the it, same it, thing. I looked at Clint and went, whoa. It's, it's not as much as you think it is um, uh, uh, on it. So uh, it... But... Um, Six pounds of seed on bare soil uh, for tall fescue with some of our newer cultivars out there because they're so dense and uh, tight if you keep them at that seeding rate or get them at that seeding rate, and and they can really look fantastic. So bare soil, six pounds of seed. And there, if if you're loading up the average spreader, uh, you'd go over two directions, and we'd like to see you go two directions, pretty much right angles to each other um, on those. All right. All right. Gotcha. And um, so – and then – like I said, once you start irrigating, you can't stop. You, you've got to keep those seed moist. There is no pause button. Uh, once you right. kick that biological process of germination in gear, uh, there there is you, – you stop it, and that seedling dries out, it dies. Um, and it's just really that simple. Uh, All right. Thing. So, and then Good how good. high to mow it whenever you you make that first cut? You probably want to be somewhere right around about three inches or so, three, three and a half inches when you mow it. Uh, a lot of times we see tall fescue, we want to see tall fescue maintained around two and a half to three, three and a half inches as, as well. Right. So that's, that's where all I'd right. mow it. Okay, three about three inches high, right. and then uh, it'll be all right with the cold snap coming in. Absolutely. If I go ahead yeah. and start watering. Yeah, and you okay. know, this cold snap, I think what they're saying is uh, somewhere right around, what, upper 30s or so, unless yeah. you're the higher elevation. So it that's not that cold, people. <laughs> well, and let's think, too, the difference, because I would automatically think that, too. Like, yes, yeah. I thought air temperature for my house plants and bringing them in, but when we're talking soil temperature, Clint, it takes a lot more yeah. prolonged cold weather to bring that soil temperature down so that grass and the roots and stuff are insulated. They're so tough that yeah. a few days of cold weather is yeah. not going to phase it. And even then, it's it's just in the morning. It's really for a few hours mm-hmm. uh, kind of thing because we get into, say, 9, 10 o'clock in the morning and the sun's going to be back out. Those, yeah. those soils go heat back up pretty quick. So yeah. uh, absolutely. What we got coming up this week is, is a very little concern for most of us. 
Uh, warm season grasses, if you're higher elevations, and I think there's some potential for frost mm-hmm. up there, we'll see the warm season grasses probably um, go off color a little bit. And this is the time of year I get that. I call it tiger striping. Yeah. Camouflage look on, on Bermuda grasses will get some of that mottled look where some of it's green, some of it's brown. It's very normal with that first light frost of the, uh, of the fall of the year. Okay. And uh, a question for Pat, too, in doing a new fescue lawn um, and preparing pretty much bare soil, what I would have liked to have seen, but I think it's too late to do this now, not necessarily round up, but really making sure you have killed all of the weeds, scraping the soil, getting down into the soil and killing what weeds sure. were there, but soil prep for him before he just goes and does seed. Site prep's always, uh, if, if we're doing a new lawn, whether it's warm season species and sod or whether it's a cool season, but tilling, say, three to four inches and, and like you said, removing as much of that old vegetation as possible, mm-hmm. opening that soil up, preparing a good soil, uh, a seed bed or a root zone is is critical. Um, I said earlier that uh, right plant, right place. Right. You can handle about 80% or solve about 80% of your turf problems with two things. One is, site, uh, is, is right plant, right place. Put the right species and cultivar in there. And then number two is... Uh, site prep. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we do these research plots, we'll do tall fescue. We'll till them uh, three to four inches. We'll do a good job on, on working that soil up, firming it up, and then we never seed back into them. Oh. So after five or six years, we're not doing any interseeding. We seed one time, and, and a lot of that comes back into doing the site prep and mm-hmm. getting that soil prepared right the first time. Uh, on it. Any amendment or anything to lay on top of the soil before you do grass seed? If we could get some organic amended into in the upper, say, two to three inches would be excellent. Okay. And, and there, the incorporation is important. Uh, so regardless of our soils statewide, whether it's the sandy soils of the coastal plains or our clay soils of more of the Piedmont, adding an organic material back into it would be beneficial. Okay. All right. 404-872-0750. I can't wait to talk to Jim Butterworth, my good, good friend. How are you? Hey, Ashley, I'm great. I hope y'all are well. Yeah, so great to hear from you, Jim. I've missed you. Well, I have missed you, too. You're the best. I, uh, <laughs> I, I enjoy listening, always. Thank you. So you've got and, a great and, question. And, I know you do for Clint. Well, and to you and Clint, go dogs. I'll just throw that in as well. Well, um, Clint came in here wearing a Clemson sweatshirt today, but we're not talking about it. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that's why we're okay with but, you being on the radio then. If the, you're because a you can't shirt. see it. And I've got my Georgia stuff on. I'm headed up to Athens right after the show. So, yeah, go dogs there indeed. You go. <laughs> go dogs. So you all have kind of hit all around my questions, and it may be a very brief answer. I have done my site prep. I've got fescue. We're up in northeast Georgia, as you know, Ashley. And I am a little bit with my brand new. I've I've tilled everything, and I've been watering the grass for about 7 to 10 days, somewhere Mm -hmm. in there. So with the frost, I'm wondering, do I need to put a cover over it? Do I need to water extra for, uh, for this frost that we have coming up next week? Or do I need to just not worry about it and keep doing what I'm doing? So, Clint. As Jim mentioned, pretty extreme northeast Georgia, so it is going to get you know a, a touch cooler than here in metro Atlanta. But again, this is hours if I'm looking at the forecast correct. So, Jim, the simple answer is no. Good. Uh, oh, there's there's really not anything else that you need to do. Um, if if you've got everything there, and I'd say at this point you should start seeing some germination. That wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, on yes, it. sir. I'm seeing a little bit. Yep. I was I was listening earlier. I was outside, and actually, it's it's getting rolling. Yep. Oh, good. And good. So uh, just keep it moist, and uh, you'll you'll be fine. Uh, again, uh, even if we get some frost on a little cool temperatures by mid to late morning, it should be. 40 degrees, 50 degrees, and I think we're supposed to be warming up into the low 70s yeah. even through some of this. No, so but you just answered be, my question, too. Like, 
in anticipation of a frost and, and what Jim's talking about with the brand new, really, you know, tender growth, water before the frost, water after the frost, like isn't watering before it going to actually help protect it a little bit better? A little bit. Water is a, is a tremendous buffer of heat, but you've already got some in the soil. You had, True. Yes, you've been doing that for the last seven to 10 days. Um, yes, sir. It's it's there. So water's water's a wonderful buffer of heat. So it's it's going to hold that soil temperature up anyway. Um, so the fact that it's already moist and you've already brought in some of the uh, the sunlight and warmed up that soil, so it's not going to drop quickly um, uh, with with the temperatures we have coming on uh, on it. And as far as it goes watering, I, I'd wait till mid morning or so. I wouldn't get it. Um, and and there's some advantages to watering in the morning and washing that frost off. But, yeah. But we're not getting golfers out on it where we're trying to get dew off real quick or anything along those lines for the okay. home lawn. So I, I'd still say mid-morning once uh, air temperatures are, say, north of 40 degrees, you're, you, you'll be fine. All right. Jim, I'm proud Great. of you. Keep it rolling. We're due for a lunch with Coach, right? Absolutely, we need to do that. And, right. uh, and, and you're, you're due for an extra hour and a, and a raise. <laughs> WSB and Atlanta are lucky to have you. So, thank you. Uh, yeah, yes, they absolutely. are. Oh, yeah. thanks, Jim. Oh, I'll yeah. be catching up with you. Thanks for the great question. That'd be great. Yes, All right. yes go, ma'am. Y'all have a great weekend. Go, okay. go dogs. Have a great afternoon. Um, yeah, I mean, really great questions and concerns about the cooler weather. And really quickly, Bart from Sonoy, if he's still listening, Clint did ask about Bermuda lawns tips to prepare for this winter and next spring. So like how long do you need to keep watering, which obviously right now I know the answer to that. Um, And then maybe lime in preparation for spring. But I guess first real quick, we'll hit up preparing for winter. Nothing much to do for Bermuda. Uh, Not a whole lot. Uh, It's going to go dormant. Uh, As I mentioned in in our things uh, for this weekend of what not to do. uh, (laughs) So don't, don't fertilize. If you feel like you need to do something with a little potassium, something like a 0020 would be fine, and, and that helps with some disease as well as winter hardiness and that type of thing, but definitely no nitrogen. So if you want to put a little potassium out on Bermuda grass or zoysia grass right now, that would be fine. And then preparing um, for next spring and asking about lime, I don't know anything about that. Well, actually, he's he's barking up the right tree on that one, too, and um, that uh, I like to see soil samples taken in the fall of the year. Okay. Um so take those now, get those submitted off to UGA, get your results back. And uh, if it has a lime requirement or need, uh, it's nice to get that down in, say, December, January, February. If we do need lime, and, and your soil test will tell you that, uh, lime is slowly active in the soil. When I say slowly active, it's going to take it three to four months to really affect that soil chemistry wow. or that soil pH. So if we get that down in December or January... Uh, fast forward four months. Now we're middle of April. Soils are warming up. Photo period's starting to get a little longer, and our warm season grasses are coming out. So we've adjusted our soil chemistry during the dormant time of the year when mm-hmm. we get those winter rains, get it in, mm-hmm. uh, coming into the growing season next year. So uh, this is actually a really good time to take those soil samples and uh, start looking at and putting out lime and say November, December, January uh, time for it, ready for next year and getting yeah. that soil chemistry uh, so nutrient use efficiency by our plants is is optimized. And the way to do that, you can go to Pike Nursery locations and buy the uh, soil test kit there or reach out to your local extension office and they'll provide you with what you need. Go to extension.uga.edu to get started on that. Find your local county office or call 1-800-ASK-UGA. (laughs) 1-800-ASK-UGA-1. Yes, it's letters in a phone number, but you'll figure it out. 1-800-ASK-UGA-1. All right, going to take a break. And when we come back, James from Atlanta wanting to know about TIFF tough grass so we'll talk about bermuda next on wsb
The colder, low temperatures for you, not coming until Monday overnight into Tuesday. But the weekend weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. Sunny today and tomorrow, highs around 78, 79, lows only getting into the mid-50s. The complete forecast comes up in 10 minutes. 404-872-0750. Going to go to James in Atlanta in just a minute, but a follow-up question from Jim Clint. Um, How late is too late to seed fescue? What window are we looking at in parts of North Georgia? Uh, for the fall of the year, probably into mid-November. Oh. So we're, okay. we're good. Now, and the deeper we go, uh, it, it's just going to be slower to germinate because temperatures continue to cool down. Yeah. So, okay. But, what, so, if, what if we did pre-emergence herbicide back in September? Oh, is ex- there any chance to seed for, in November? Or is that still too close? Probably still too close. Okay. And that's that's a very good point. If you put pre-emergence herbicide out, pre-emergence doesn't discriminate between annual bluegrass or poania and tall fescue seed. It's it's one and the same. So as far as the, as the herbicide realizes. Okay. Hey, James, welcome to the show. What's your question about Tiff Tough Bermuda? Yes, uh, I'm, I'm a first-time caller. Thank you for calling. Uh, I've been listening to you for a while now. But um, I just, what, June of this year, I had the, uh, my front yard sodded. And the person that put the sod down is told me that it was called Tiff Turf. And so I'm calling in just to get some advice and so what just listen to what you guys have to say about it okay and, um, and that's it, a, as far as seeding or what okay that that's a good one too james you you definitely got a good uh sod there in tiff tough right tiff t-u-f tough. correct yeah um and i know clint's gonna have a lot to say about that but in 45 we will when we come back after the news i will have you finish answering james's question give us a little bit of background but in the 40 seconds we have right now why is it called tiff tough because it's tough as nails and, uh, and the tiff well, Tift is from Tifton, Georgia. So it was bred in Tifton, University of Georgia, and Tifton, Tifton campus. Isn't that something? Yep. That was that was created right here. Yeah. What are some other common uh, varieties of Bermuda that folks may consider too? Well, it's Tiff Way. Um, it came out of Tifton as well. Um, and it's also referred to as 419. So Tiff Way and 419 are the same uh, grass. Uh, and then another one that we're seeing hitting the markets coming on a little harder is Tahoma 31. And it actually came out of the Oklahoma State Breeding Program. So that one's from Stillwater. All right. So we got some options. James, you don't have to hang on the line necessarily, but keep listening. In 10 minutes, we're going to get a little more into how to be most successful with your Tiff Tough Bermuda and Pike Nursery coming up next on 95.5 WSB. with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Hour number three. Green and growing. And I have a lot of great questions still to come for Clint Waltz, turf specialist from the University of Georgia. Uh, our friend Tim Bryant up in Athens asking about the leaves. This is a husband-wife debate, and I really want to get you right in the middle of it, Clint. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk to Tom and West Cobb as well, uh, aerating and maybe a different spin on aerating the lawn for sure. But before we talk to Brittany with Pike Nursery uh, about seasonal stuff and Halloween and decorations and all of that, fall planting, I uh, want to finish up. James was asking, so proud of him because he mm-hmm. got a great Tiff Tough sod uh, lawn installed here in Atlanta and just wants kind of advice for best practices to keep that going well. 
So best practices on it this time of year is, is really not do a whole lot. Just keep it mowed where you have been. So don't lower your mowing height. Don't raise your mowing height where you've been at, uh, assuming you're, you're somewhere right around an inch and a half. Just keep it right there. Again, we've mentioned earlier things not to do, so no fertilizer on it. And uh, we'll, we'll – I'm not a marriage counselor, but we'll kind of cover the leaves issue here in a minute <laughs> of, of what to do on some of those or what not to do on, on some of that as well. Um, but Tiff Tuff's uh, – it is tough as nails. It's it's if it's been down since June, I think that's what he said. Uh, it should be well rooted. Um, we've been a little dry, so if you put a half inch of irrigation out every week to two weeks, that should be just kind of keeping it hydrated and moist. Mm-hmm. Right now, will be fine. And I am seeing a lot of Bermuda grasses or warm season grasses going off color. It's not so much from the cold temperatures we've had; it's from um, drought. So a little bit of moisture out there right now. Although Tiff Tuff, it's real claim to fame is uh, 30% less water use than oh. some of our other ones. So, And it's real. Wow. Um, it's, that's, that's documented. It's real uh, from a, a low water use perspective. So it doesn't need as much. But uh, it is a biological organism, and all biological organisms need water for survival. So, again, half inch every two weeks just to keep it hydrated if we stay in kind of this low rainfall pattern that we've been in here lately. And that's that's about it. There's there's not a whole lot to be doing for for. For tiff tough as as we start to move deeper into the fall and so early that winter. was well worth the money. I mean, like yeah, you yeah. said, tough as nails. It's going to hold up. Um, yeah. James, for you or anyone else looking for advice on different uh, grasses too, I recommend the lawn care calendar from UGA Extension and Walter Reeves played a little bit with that too. Um, if you go to WalterReeves.com, he hosted the show prior to me. Walter Reeves R E E V E S dot com and type lawn care calendar in the search bar that's literally all you have to do lawn care calendar and it's a one-page calendar you can print out depending on your lawn type whether it's centipede zoysia saint augustine uh, bermuda and fescue which are the more common ones month to month what you need to be doing so clint off the arrow is asking you about fescue and you said yeah probably four fertilizer applications a year of fescue two in the spring two in the fall what about the warm season lawns like centipede like bermuda how many times a year well, it depends on the grass. Okay. So if something like Bermuda grass needs to be fed probably about once a month during the growing season. Jeez, wow. Around May, June, July, okay. August So, uh, on it. Uh, but centipede grass, on the other hand, it requires a whole lot less fertilizer. So maybe three times, but even then you're only putting out a third of a pound each time. So a very small amount okay. uh, on centipede. So it depends on the grass. And some of it also depends on the type of fertilizer you're using. There's a lot of slow-release materials out there. So... We get about six to eight weeks of uh, extended um, feeding off of some mm-hmm. of these, uh, whereas they're still uh, our old soluble materials. Uh, they they wind up be good two three weeks kind of thing on those before you need to re- refertilize. So it, there's some things about that that's just not quite cut and dry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, unfortunately, I don't write a lot of cookbooks on there. That's why we do call it turf grass management. Yeah, really. Um, so we got to have to manage it, and it's not just a, a cookbook. Yeah, and then, I mean, James, you're always welcome to call the show when it's, you know, flushing out in spring and summer, and then we're going to be talking about diseases with Clint and pests and all kinds of things that you need to worry about, but uh, not yet, right but now. James, don't be scared. You get you get the first frost, and it's going to have some funny colors to it. It may have a little bit of that mottling. Some may still green, some of it turn brown. That's normal, especially with the first light frost or so, and then the whole thing should go brown after a 
good hard frost or two. So don't don't be frightened. You see a little bit of modeling, and <laughs> and if it looks like a good camo pattern out there, that's that's normal this time of year. I'm I'm gonna have to remember that you said that because I'll start getting the calls in two or three weeks. Oh my gosh, what's yeah. going on? So you heard it here first. Uh, 404-872-0750. Now to Pike Nurseries, and we're joined by Brittany Harper with their marketing team. Hey there, welcome to the show. Good morning. And I appreciate you joining me because I think you have the weekend off. So thanks for getting up early for us. <laughs> you know, I love it. And I love hearing your intro. I love it so much. Thank because you. Because it's just so happy. And I love like the cross section of different music and and just how, you know, the gardening theme just kind of grows through all these different genres. It's so cute. I love it. It's well, very happy to listen and to. One of those songs is Tim McGraw, Where the Green Grass Grows. Mm-hmm. And I played Country Mouse, City Mouse with Mark Aram on Wednesday, and he gives me three hip-hop songs to see if I know them. I give him three country (laughs) songs and see if he knows them. And, I mean, that one was easy, man. I gave him Tim McGraw, Where the Green Grass Grows, and he had no idea. And I was like, you don't listen to my show on Saturdays. It's in my intro. (laughs) Busted. I know, exactly, right? (laughs) I thought he did real well. He got Tim McGraw's dad right, Tug McGraw. Tug McGraw, actually. He got that one correct. Baseball player. Yeah, he did. I would not have gotten that one No, and then I think one of his hip-hop songs for me was, like uh, the group was KSR1 and I was like no idea no right over my head so Brittany I don't know how your musical knowledge is but I'm glad you appreciate the uh, the montage <laughs> no I love it I love it and I, I like tons of different kinds of music so a little bit of country a little bit of hip-hop rock and roll classic rock all of that good stuff. well-rounded I bet your parents are proud because I like the oldies of the rock too for sure um, yes, and I oldies. love this time of year my favorite we've had a, a lot mm-hmm. of great notes from you over the past couple of weeks about the fall flowers and now's the time to plant and all that kind of stuff going a little lighter today just just decor, how to dress up your front door for Halloween, getting spooky stuff uh, in there, and some of the stuff we can get right at Pike Nurseries. Where do you want to begin? Well, um, you know, I just want to say I, I'm not like the horticulture expert that all of my other wonderful teammates are that get to call in. So whenever we can talk about something fun and not as deep into the horticultural knowledge, then I'm all over it. So yeah. whenever you guys hear me, you know, it's probably a little bit of a lighter show. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, I want to start with just the idea of like, you know, it's a short season Halloween. You know, usually folks are like October 1. You know, it's it's kind of short. So you know, the idea is how can I make this last all the way through the harvest season, all the way through Thanksgiving. So you get a nice, long, lengthy period from all the hard work that you put into putting up your decorations. So the first idea really is create a base layer of your seasonal designs that will just work for the whole season. And so we're talking hay bales, your pumpkins, using fall colors. So think about those ri- that rich color palette that is fall that we see in all the, you know, when the trees change and all the things that are blooming right now. So reds and oranges and yellow and gold and purple, bronze, black even, you know, that, you know, brown colors like, like um, wheat that's ready to harvest and that type of thing. So you're thinking about that as your color palette. And then also incorporating those cool season plants that thrive in the cool weather. So we've talked a lot about that in the past few weeks. Your mom's snapdragons, asters, you're going to still be able to get a few weeks of enjoyment from those like tender annuals that um, until we get frosty, you know, so you'll be able to get a few more weeks out of those, but then also layer in those um, 
uh, flowers that are cold hardy that are going to tolerate that frost and last even longer for you. So pansies and violas, of course, you know, the tried and true, the most popular. You get that rainbow of color. They will last all the way through winter for you into March. I mean, you're going to get like, what, five, six months of color out of pansies and violas. So they're really really the biggest bang for your buck. Um, other really great um, options that are cold hardy, heuchera. Um, it's a nice shade tolerant. So if you don't get a lot of sun, it's a shade tolerant, just foliage plant, very pretty. Lots of like lime green and kind of orangey bronze, purple, very pretty. Um, last year round, lots of texture and color. Also ornamental vegetables, so cabbage, kale, Swiss chard, even mustard, all of those, they add tons and tons of texture and you get some great color that really accent with your pansies and your other uh, blooming items. Um, ornamental grass also, you know, you get that, you get the height for your, in your pots, you get that harvest look, like I mentioned, where it looks like wheat ready uh, for harvest with all the tufts on the end of it. excuse me, tons of options there in your ornamental grass. So um, I think that's a really fun category to play in. And then also small shrubs. Don't forget, you know, if you need to add, if you've got like a really big giant front porch, God bless you, um, love those. <laughs> add some bulk to that with, with your shrubs. And think again about color and texture. Laura Pedlums with that beautiful purple. Abelia, which is a little smaller, and it has lots of great color in there with red and orange. Anise has, you know, that really beautiful lime green top and also shade tolerant. So, you know, you get all of those in there, you incorporate that into that nice base that will last you not just for Halloween, but in past Thanksgiving as well. Absolutely. And I just had a great conversation with uh, Brian Albini from y'all's landscape team about a lot of those different colors, the rich uh, chartreuse and purples of Laura Petalum with the Abelia kaleidoscope and all of the different colors. So it's always cool to have some nice, bright plant or shrub or something in front of something darker. So very good recommendations there. I'm going to put a lot of these on the Facebook page for all of you to look back at later today and think, okay, when I go to Pike Nursery, that's some of the stuff Brittany mentioned, the grasses and the heuchera. Um, Add in Halloween decorations, of course. We can do the doormat. We can do a wreath, spooky decorations and stuff. But then when we're going to Pike looking at non-plant type stuff, what do you have for us there? Yeah, so I'm a crafter. I love it. Um, And whenever I walk through our stores, I just get so much inspiration. And also, I'm a big fan of Pinterest. So if you guys don't go on Pinterest, I highly recommend it. It's tons (laughs) of fun and get so many great ideas, especially with pumpkins. I mean, they're the sky is the limit when it comes to decorating with your pumpkins. They're beautiful on their own, but of course, you know, you can do your classic jack-o'-lanterns. There's so many fun ideas for carving them. I just love it so much. Painting them even if you're not big into carving or if you have children and you obviously want to be a little safer, painting them is a fun idea. Um, I saw a really great idea that um, we actually have it as a DIY on our website, how to cover them with melted crayons. Oh, and that's cool. very fun and colorful. Great idea to, to involve the kiddos. Um, you know, simple things like stacking them into topiaries. Um, and that's kind of best for your squat heirloom types as opposed to your classic orange jack-o'-lanterns. You can hollow them out and fill them with flowers. I call that a jack-o'-plantern instead of a <laughs> jack-o'-lantern. Um, you can, so you can fill them with flowers or you can top them with flowers. Use it like a vase or um, cover them with like succulents and use it as like a centerpiece. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because Mm -hmm. like the pumpkin as a planter, uh, people registered for that make and take class. Oh, that was last Saturday. I have my days confused. Y'all had that make and take class though, the succulent pumpkin planter. So that's on your website too to kind of, yeah, inspire people. 
Um, PikeNursery.com. Yeah, if you miss the class, there's ideas on our website. You can absolutely do that. Absolutely. PikeNursery.com. And Brittany's got just so much good information here. I've got to post it on the Facebook page. And something I promised a listener I would ask you, Brittany, um, he lived in the Jasper area, was new, didn't know about Pike Nursery, so I told him his nearest location was Town Lake, where I go. Um, but he had a question, a great question. Uh, do you all do discounts for seniors or military? I didn't know the answer to that. Yes, we do for both. So um, we have a senior discount um, and a military discount. Both of them are 10% off, um, and it's an everyday discount. It's not combinable with other offers. So if there's like something discounted at this store, it's not going to be like 10% plus whatever the other discount might be. But if you're looking at some full price items, then um, know that you do have that uh, 10% discount available to you. That's awesome. And the Play in the Dirt membership, of course, a lifetime guarantee on trees and shrubs, folks. That's why you need Absolutely. to get your trees and shrubs at Pike Nursery. And give us the website one more time, Brittany. PikeNursery.com. And social media. Y'all do a fantastic job with all these fun things. You know, plants that people hear us talk about that they don't quite know what they look like. Pop over to Pike mm-hmm. Nursery on Instagram and Facebook and really look at those. Um, Brittany, thank you so much. I will be sharing, if it's okay, all of your suggestions on my Facebook page and tag you guys. Oh, please do. Feel free. I love that. All right. Have a great weekend, Brittany. Thank you so much. You too. All right. Bye. Always. Oh, my gosh. The craft idea. I've got, I have a big tin of crayons from when I was a kid. And I'm always like, what am I going to do with these? Because I don't have kids. I donate them to school. I don't know. I'm melting them and I'm putting it on a pumpkin. Just set them in the back seat of your car and <laughs> yeah, let them out. Right. I mean, you know, Make sure they're in a good container or else I'll have colored seats too. Yeah. I mean, you, you get opportunity as an adult to take off your mom one more time, right? And let, <laughs> That's right. I love that idea. So I'll be posting that. Give me uh, the weekend, folks. But a lot of the great things Brittany mentioned will be on the Facebook page. Search Green and Growing WSB. Coming right back to talk to Tom when we return on WSB. If there was ever a time that I wanted more than three hours, it's today. Because, Clint, we're running out of time to talk about some great things. Uh, Quickly, our friend Tim Bryant said, My wife says we should rake the leaves. I say it's better to leave them. Please explain why I'm right. So we like the leaves, but what do we want to do with them? And turf, and first of all, let me say, I'm not a marriage counselor um, (laughs) on a thing. But on lawns and turf, it's best to remove them. Either, Either mulch them up and let them work into the canopy or remove them. As much grass as we can have exposed to photosynthesize and create those sugars that help us come out of dormancy, especially our warm season grasses come out of dormancy next spring. Let's get the leaves off of them so they can get as much sunlight as they can. And then the other is those leaves will actually hold moisture around and will facilitate disease. Okay. So by removing those leaves, we kind of allow that canopy to dry down and dry out a little bit and reduce some of the impacts of, of disease or fungal pathogens out there. So, but rake them into a bed or something else. Yeah, absolutely. There's no need to get rid of them. We just don't want them on the grass. And if you mulch over them, are you having to change your mower blade height for that? Or no? Really? Not really. It'll no. catch enough of them? Yeah, I guess. Okay. Uh, and then quickly, Tom and Wes Cobb, I'm so sorry we're not going to have time for your question, but what we think, non-chemical lawn aerations for lawn Um, So what we think he might be getting at is liquid aeration. I've gotten a number of calls this year on liquid aerations. I'm not sure where this comes from, where it's marketing somewhere, but I've done some research on these materials. And as a soil scientist, I will tell you that these liquid aeration products do not actually increase the aeration in the soil. Many times they've got a little surfactant, so water will move a little better through them. And oftentimes they get a little shot of nitrogen. So a plant response is not uncommon, but as far as it is with truly adding oxygen back into the soil as as we would define it in soil science, 
they don't do that. So let's go the non-chemical route and actually do manual aeration. Core aerification yeah. opens it up, creates a void, allows the soil to relax back into and gets air into the roots. And, you know, we all like breathing oxygen about 24 hours a day. So yeah. roots are no different. You know I love our time together. We'll have you back sooner rather than later because we ran out of time. Happy to do it. All right. Go dogs. Thanks for listening today. Find me on Facebook, Green and Growing WSB. Have a great Saturday.